Welcome to Miami Valley Church. My name is Pastor Jed, and I am so thankful to get to worship and follow our Lord alongside of you in your house church today. If this is your first time joining us or your first time being a part of a house church, I want to say welcome. My prayer is that today you would hear the Lord, that you would experience his love, his goodness, and that you would take a step toward him, trusting him in obedience. We've been going through the book of Acts, looking at the early church. And last week we left off in Acts chapter 2, looking at this dream church. Remember, it's not about what we want or what we think looks best or even what is most successful. It's how Jesus intended his church to look. Remember the two ideals. Number one, students founded. That we are to be students founded on a particular message, the gospel of Jesus Christ devoted to a particular curriculum. And number two, family. That we truly see each other as family, sharing lives and resources with one another. That's what we're going through and what we're seeing in this dream church in the book of Acts. And family, these must not be in tension with each other. They're usually, we're usually good at one and, and not the other. And we, we, they usually compete. We typically lean one way or the other, but we must do both, family. The Dream Church is made up of students living like family. By the way, have you ever noticed when I address you, you listening to this right now, that's right, you, that I always use the word family. Family, pay attention. This is on purpose. This isn't just a word that I like to use because I think it sounds cool. No, I use this word family because this is how scripture describes the church as a family. And therefore, as your pastor, I view each of you as family. Family, as I look around at the American church, I'm sad to see what we have turned it into. That's right, I said it, what we have turned it into, what we've created what we have tolerated, what we have idolized, and consequently what we have worshiped. There's a multi-million dollar industry of companies that show up in my inbox daily telling me how to grow a great church, how to increase church membership, how to cater, how to, cater to the largest donors and, and keep them on board how to maximize each event or program that is put on to get the most, pardon the language, bang for your buck. How to craft and deliver the best marketing strategies to keep people interested. How and when to utilize social media so that people know you exist. How to get your name out there. How long the actual sermon should be so that people don't lose interest. How to look and brand each series to stay relevant in the current culture, how to keep up with the times, how to keep your volunteers happy and not burnt out, how to align our church's calendar with schools and vacation schedules to make sure that no one misses out. Family, when did the church start operating as a business and stop caring for one another as a family? We speak about the church we use the church in language the same way we would speak about a gym or a restaurant or our favorite retail store. Boards are created, committees are formed, teams are established to determine what the church should look like, how the music should sound, and what programs are going to be offered to make people want to be a member of our church. We put all these things 
We spend our, our time managing these programs and processes, and we're constantly trying to keep this thing that we've created alive and going, and most importantly, here it comes, successful. Because if you're not successful by the world's view, you're doing something wrong, and there must be an issue. Family, the Bible, the Word of God never refers to the church in this way. The church was never meant to be a business. The church was never meant to be a place. The church was never meant to be an event. The church was never meant to be a competition of nonprofit organizations that meet at 10 a.m. on a Sunday morning. The church was never meant to be a box that's checked off each week. The church was never meant to be something that makes us feel good, that, that gets us through the week. The church was not created as a place for you to go get a good cup of coffee and a pastry. The church was never meant to be a place where people come to consume. The church was not our idea, therefore who are we to claim rights to ownership? The Word of God says in Ephesians 4.15, it says, Instead, we will speak the truth in love, growing in every way more and more like Christ, who is the head of the body, the church. Did you catch that? Christ, who is the head of his body, the church. It says he makes the whole body fit together perfectly as each part does its own special work. It helps the other parts grow so that the whole body is healthy and growing and full of love. Family, the church is made up of you listening to this right now. You, a body of, of believers, followers of Jesus. And this body was meant to live, love, and to serve as a family. When did we stop seeing it this way? This dream church that we've been looking at, though, here in Acts 2, we see these people. That's right, these people. The church is not a place. It's not a, it's not a thing. It's people. And we see these people devoting themselves to the apostles' teaching, to fellowship, to sharing in meals together, including the Lord's Supper, and to prayer. And as you've thought about that, how is it challenging you? How is it how has it been stirring your heart? How has God's word called you to take a step of faith in obedience? To look more like this, to act more like, to live this out in your life. We're learning how to be the church in a world that desperately needs to experience Jesus and his body. The church living out these ideals they can take on various shapes and sizes, but all must be committed to the mission and message of Jesus. Family, this is our foundation. What is seen in a combination of Godward focus and zeal for reaching out to those who are lost. When we experience the overwhelming love of God, it does something in us and, and it, it compels us to want to share it with everyone we come across, especially those who don't know Jesus. Family, has it ever occurred to you that you are exactly where you are for a specific purpose? The people that are around you, that, that coworker who is always complaining about a spouse, that teacher who you see daily, that neighbor who you've lived next door to maybe for 20 years and you don't even know their name, They've all been placed in your life for a specific reason. Why? 
Pastor Tim asked us the question a couple weeks ago, have you ever wondered why Jesus didn't take us with him when he ascended into heaven? Family, we were left here, right here, exactly where you are right now, surrounded by the people you're surrounded by right now. God has placed them around you with a call in your life and a mission to fulfill. It's worship and mission. The more awestruck we are with God, his power and presence, the more eager we will be to reach out to a world that does not believe. The more awestruck we are, the more innovative we will be to say that the old American church model isn't working, that we are losing ground, and we are begging God to be part of this dream church that we see here in the book of Acts. So how do we do this? I love this. We had a great discussion in our house church last week, and this was one of the questions that was asked. So how do we do this? What do we do? And I love it. It's such a great question. Let me share with you four characteristics of the dream church, four ideals that we, that we see here in the book of Acts, in Acts chapter two, and we looked at two of them last week. Number one, remember as students, we must be like students, founded on a particular message, the gospel. We can never go away from the gospel. This is the message. The gospel of Jesus Christ, the good news of Jesus Christ, what he came to this earth to do, to save sinners and devoted to a particular curriculum, the apostles' teaching. Number two, family. We must live, love, and serve as family, sharing lives and, and resources with one another. No one should ever slip through the cracks. It's not a matter of if, but when there is a need, the church must be there. Family, the enemy will always try to isolate you and tell you that you do not have anyone. He will tell you that you are not good enough and that, that you are just disgusting and no one wants to be around you. Family, make sure that you are part of community. Surround yourself with people in your life who, who will walk with you. And it's a two-way street. It's intentional time spent. It's, it's going deep with people and it requires sacrifice. And it requires us to ask the hard question, am I willing to put in the effort? Students and family are the first two. And today we're gonna to be looking at these next two. And if I could put today's message in a sentence, it would be this. The more upward our vision, the more outward our ambition. Let me say that again. The more upward our vision, the more outward our ambition. Acts 2, starting in verse 42, we get a glimpse of the very first church following the first evangelistic sermon. 3,000 added to the church that day. And we get these 100 words, starting in verse 42. It says, they devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching and to fellowship, to the breaking of bread and to prayer, and everyone was filled with awe, the many wonders and signs performed by the apostles. It says, all the believers were together and had everything in common. They sold property and possessions to give to anyone who had need. Every day they continued to meet together in temple courts. They broke bread in their homes and they ate together with glad and sincere hearts, praising God and enjoying the favor of all the people. And the Lord added to their number daily those who are being saved. Family, this is not prescription. We do not have to do everything here, but it is not merely description. That the early church, to think of this as, as something that just happened and that it would never happen again, 
No, this is Luke's ideal. What Christian church can be? Upward vision. The early church continually focused upward to God, eyes on Jesus. This isn't a rotary club. This isn't a music group. This isn't a food pantry. We, first and foremost, are worshipers of Jesus, devoted to prayer, filled with all, praising God. Prayer, all praise. It says devoted to prayer. That's fascinating. Devoted, it's different. It's, it's giving diligent attention to something. Look how it's used right here in Colossians 4, 2. It says, devote yourself to prayer with an alert mind and a thankful heart. Devote yourself to prayer. Romans 12, 12 says, rejoice in hope. Be patient in affliction. Be persistent in prayer. Prayer is basic to the Godward life. It has been said that prayer is the chief exercise of faith. It expresses our dependence on God. Prayer meetings of the persecuted church are amazing, but it doesn't have to be so dramatic. It can just be together to pray. No bells and whistles, just pray. Just come before God together and pray. And may I ask you today, how prayerful are you? Would you take an assessment individually? What does your time in prayer look like when no one else is around? What does that time look like? What about corporately? Are you praying together with God's people, with family in your house church? Are you praying together? Not just on Sunday mornings, are you praying together? Looking up to God, lifting his work above our ability. It's being in awe of him, filled with awe. The word is to be fearful. It's usually uh, fear of the Lord and awe of God and what he is doing through ordinary human beings. We are in awe of God. God holds all things together and grants every breath, and that should fill us with awe. Have you thought about that? The life and death of Jesus, that should fill us with awe. Our king returning and the kingdom in which everything will be restored, that should fill us with awe. It's praise, praising God continually. This is an interesting topic. God does not need us to pump him up. But praise, it can be defined as the verbal expression of our awe of God. Praise is incomplete unless we are expressing our awe and wonder of God. And as a church family, we are learning that praise is the most important thing that we have to do. Have you ever noticed it's always helpful to have people with you when you experience awe and beauty? You see it and you cannot verbalize it and it feels diminished. Unless we're praising God verbally, telling him how awesome he is and how captivated we are by him, we are incomplete. Upward in prayer, awe and praise, this abandonment to God, it is powerful. And, it some, and sometimes we shy away from it, but we must measure it and, and it must be sensible. The more Godward the church, the less concerned we will be about the situations we face and the more risks we will take in complete dependence on him. Devote yourself to prayer. More upward our vision, the more outward our ambition. Outward, the church must look beyond itself to a world that does not believe, family. 
as we're studying this, we see great inward activities, living as students, that's an inward activity, giving to the needs among us, that's an inward activity, eating together, that's an inward activity and family, these are absolutely important. But there are two outward activities Luke mentions at the end of these 100 words. Number one, it's enjoying favor of all the people. That's an outward activity. And two, the Lord added to their number daily those who are being saved. That is an outward activity. Two things, public favor and evangelistic growth. Number one, public favor. This isn't just the favor of other Christians. It's, it's not the, the, the favor of, of the church. It's, it's Christians winning favor of non-Christian community. Now, don't get this wrong. It's not going to be all favor. There will be persecution. There will be those who are opposed and those who will do their best to attack and destroy However, we should not live with this, this persecution complex that the whole world is out to get us. Learning from this text right here, we can expect as an ideal to win the favor of the wider community. Luke 2.51 says, Then he went down to Nazareth with them and was obedient to them. But his mother treasured all these things in her heart, and Jesus grew in wisdom and in stature and in favor with God and man. Fascinating research on perception of the church, public perception of the church. It, it often seems contradictory. People's view, people view Christianity harshly. They often view it as traditional or judgmental or old-fashioned or opinionated or hypocritical, yet they also view it favor, favorably. They view it as, as caring, as loving, as kind, as honest, as faithful. And family, these two perceptions, are, they're contradictory almost like there are two Christianities in people's minds. So what do we take away from this? And it should show us how Christians behave and live it out makes a difference. So along with favor, it's evangelistic growth. The early church experienced exponential growth and God added to their number daily. If you didn't catch this, this is the thread all the way through the book of Acts. And I hope that you took us up on that challenge of going through the book of Acts last month. If you didn't, start now. Start now. Start in this month. Start going through the book of Acts and, and just meditate on what the Lord shows you. But this is the common thread through the book of Acts. Acts 4.4. It says, But many who heard the message believe. So the number of men who believed grew about 5,000. Acts 5.14. Nevertheless, more and more men and women believed in the Lord and were added to their number. It's growing. Acts 6.1. In those days when the number of disciples was increasing, it's increasing, it's growing, Acts 6, 7. So the word of God spread. The number of the disciples in Jerusalem increased rapidly and, and the large number of priests became obedient to the faith. It's growing, Acts 11, 21. The Lord's hand was with them and a great number of people believed and turned to the Lord. It's growing, Acts 11, 24. And the great number of people were brought to the Lord. It's growing, Acts 14, 1. There they spoke so effectively that a great number of Jews and Greeks believed it's growing. Acts 17, 4, as some of the Jews were persuaded and joined Paul and Silas, as did a large number of God-fearing Greeks and quite a few prominent women, is growing. The expansion of Christianity in the book of Acts is incredible. It's miraculous. It starts in Jerusalem and it goes to Egypt and Syria and Turkey and Greece and Rome. Check this out. Some evidence from a non-Christian governor in Turkey in the start of the second century, Governor Pliny writes to the Emperor Trajan around 
110 AD, complaining about how many Christians there are and how he is bringing them to trial. He says this, The question seems to me to be worthy of your consideration, Emperor Trajan, especially in the view of the number of persons endangered. For a great many individuals of every age and class, both men and women, are being brought to trial as Christians, and this is likely to continue. It is not only in the towns, but the villages and rural districts to who are affected with contact with this wretched cult. I think, though, that it is possible still for it to be checked. The expansion from 30 AD to 300 AD is miraculous. It's incredible. And we know where uh, they went to, but no explanation of how, uh, except that the Lord added to their number daily those being saved. The Lord loves to add more and more people to his kingdom. In the American church model, a vital metric of growth has been counting the number of people in a, a worship gathering on Sunday mornings. And I think, what if instead of counting the number of people in church gatherings on Sunday mornings, what if we started counting the number of people gathered around our tables every week? Hear me when I say community and evangelistic growth are not enemies. But just as we read here, a faithful community will constantly be growing as the Lord adds to their number those being saved. And if we're obedient to how the Lord calls us to live, people will be attracted. And we just have to be ready, family, to answer their questions. As a pastor, I found that, that when I'm in conversation with someone and they ask what I do, I will typically get one of two follow-up questions. Number one, where is your church? Number two, how many people attend? How big are you? Family, to the latter, the only answer that should be is not enough. If it's 20, it's not enough. If it's 200, it's not enough. If it's 2,000, it's not enough. If it's 20,000, the only answer is not enough because they're still lost all around us. And the more upward our vision, the more outward our ambition. So how do we do it? Family, we come humbly before the Lord. We listen to his voice. We do what he says, and we trust that his way is best. May we ever increasingly be good students of the apostles' teaching. May we be like family, sharing life and resources. May we look upward with prayer and awe and praise, eyes always on Jesus. And may we look outward for favor and growth, the gospel of our Lord Jesus. Let's pray. Almighty God, Lord, you are unlike any other. God, we praise you. You are the God who is active and living. You are the God who is with us right now, who dwells in us. And God, it's your spirit right now that is leading us into truth that is revealing who you are and revealing how you want us to live as your followers. God, you make it so simple and we have added so much to it. God, we have added our own spin to it. We've put things in your place. God, we've worshiped. 
and idolize things when we should have been worshiping you. God, we've allowed things to take your place, your position. And God, for that, we repent. God, we turn from those things. We turn from those ways. And we say, Lord, here we are. God, it's your church. God, you have invited us to be in this family. Who are we to think that it's ours? Who are we to claim ownership? Who are we to think that we know what's best or to say that we know what is successful? Lord, we repent. We come before you humbly, humbled that we can even just come before your throne, humbled that you loved us so much that you sent your one and only son, Jesus, to take our place, to sacrifice his life, to shed his blood. And it is by his blood that you invite us, that you call us closer, And God, that you speak. God, you make it so clear. And Lord, we just say, here we are. Lord, we want to serve you. May we listen to your voice and not just be hearers, but be doers. May we be obedient. Lord God, may it start right here in our heart. May it go into our homes to our families and to our neighborhoods and to our, our communities. God, may it go out all over this world. God, may we experience exactly what we're seeing here in this text, that you will add to our number daily. God, that more and more lost people would come to experience you come to know you, and God, ultimately, that they would say yes to you. Lord, we love you. We look forward to our King, Jesus, coming back. In his mighty name we pray. Amen.